Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Give me a little check. Hey there. How are you? Hey there. So your birthday's March 10th. That's right. One day before me. Oh, shit. I'm 11. Pisces. Do you uh, subscribe and buy into and take interest in star signs and astrology and all of that? I School guess thought? I wouldn't put, like, I don't, wouldn't plan my life by it, but I certainly don't discount it as like, you know, there were so many years where human beings were alive and they only had the stars to, you know, that was the, sh- the main show. Mm-hmm to you know indicate what life is about why are we here you know these like deep-seated philosophical questions as soon as our brains could start to ask those kind of questions like pre-religion or whatever you're looking at the stars and they had the time because there wasn't any distractions to um correlate the movement of the stars with what was going on in their lives and somehow there's enough correlations that uh it's still around today so I would not say that I'm like real into it or that I know a lot about it, but you know, it's kind of nice when you read your horoscope and it's like something cool or, yeah. or you're like, shit, that's happening to me right now. Damn. Well, I was reading up today about the, I guess the strengths, the characteristics, the weaknesses, mm-hmm. the, the qualities which make up a typical Pisces. Right. And I was going through the list and I was like, this is almost me to a T. These things like intuitive, Emotional, sensitive, compassionate, 
weaknesses perhaps is you're prone to sadness mm-hmm. over trusting sometimes all these things and i was just like tick 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 like that that's kind of all me yeah and i think it's cool i like being a pisces me I think too it's, i think it's an, i'm happy with it, that sign the you one just, thing that i read though is that we do all right on our own and i'm yeah. not that way no how about you i'm pretty good yeah yeah um on this tour Siv was saying like you know he doesn't do well on his own you know like where I will just go off for a walk every day. You know what I mean? Some people are just like, want to be around people. I guess because you've been traveling, all of you, on three buses. Yeah, I want to well, get right? off so. campus. <laughs> all dudes as well. I'm, I'm all dudes. Believe, and right? I, yeah. I, I, you know, one thing I, I don't like, I love the company of women. Me it's too. awesome. Well, I grew up, did you grow up with just your mum as well? Did I hear uh, or read yeah, that? My, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, So I, I, my parents broke up when I was 12, mm-hmm. and my dad kind of wasn't around that much from then on. Mm-hmm. We still have a relationship, but we're not really close. Right. So my household was me, my mum, my sister. And now I live with a girl who's not a girlfriend, but a friend. Uh-huh. And I really thrive in the, the presence and the company of females because for me, I think it allows me to open up another side of my personality yeah. that perhaps when you're hanging out with the guys, which I do love as well, yeah. you're perhaps not allowed that forte yeah perhaps i i i love to be in the company of women it is just cool and and uh but you know on this tour that we were on there was no women at all <laughs> yeah. you know and and uh you know there's this saying like sausage fest or something like mm-hmm. that and i just think it's so stupid it's just like you know it's cool to be around your friends it's awesome like there's n- nothing bad about it you know if they had a band with with females on it i would be super into it but i just like people as people that's how evolved I am. I'm just into it. It's just, it's on the person and the characteristics of the individual Pretty rather much. than the Pretty much. skin and tone or who you sleep with or sex. whatever else. Yeah. yeah. And everyone on this, this last trip was, um, you know, we all had a common thread, but we had never spent so much time with each other. So it was like a real holiday camp thing. It seemed like that. And yeah. I was down in the pit from, I guess, street dogs on. Uh-huh. And just watching, and you know, very much I find the case with a lot of hardcore shows and tours of that kind mm-hmm. is the stage is populated heavily yeah. with friends and family yeah. as well. It's not like a closed stage yeah. environment. Yeah. And, and everybody's just like getting into it and it's a party. Yeah. I, um, I recently read, you know, with GB, it's like amazing. We get so many good, like I'm on Instagram, so I'm checking out people saying, oh my God, I love the show. I read this one comment the other day that was like, not like that. And it was complaining about, you know, I know they're having a good time with their thing, but all these guys on stage, you know, they're like um, distracting from the show, you know, more or less or something like, you know, something along those lines, yeah. but in a more, in my opinion, dickish way of saying that. And my thought was like, that is what hardcore is about. You know what I mean? Like we yeah, played no CBG. Yeah, we played CBGBs. Like your friends will be on stage. Those are the people that support you in this totally crazy pursuit. And they deserve to be, represented up there and they that them being close is empowering the whole thing and like and if someone from the audience wants to be on the stage and take that place it, you take it go come on up you know let's yeah. do it and um and i and it made me think about that though this comment you know so like i I read it, it doesn't like you know i don't it doesn't piss me off personally but it just says like an opinion it's a fair opinion you don't like that um, perhaps it comes from a place of that person wanting to be up there themselves. Something like Maybe that. I think this guy, to be honest, if I, if I were to like tell you my real true opinion, it's more along the lines. I think he was a little bit, you know, cause there was a mix of bands on this, on this, uh, bill, yep. you know, whereas Gnostic Front are the 
you know, basically they're invented what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, more or less. <clears throat> and GB has this kind of like more posy kind of like, I think more friendly kind of vibe. And, yeah. and, and fun as well. And fun. And, you know, H2O, although they didn't play the night, kind of fit that as well. Uh, I think Street Dogs was like a cool like rock band. I loved them. And, uh, you know, and the, a lot of the other bands are like heavy bands. More metallic. More metallic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this guy was a, a snob about that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, get over yourself. Like, this is a family. That's what hardcore, everybody's welcome. Don't be a snob. I find it really interesting from your story is uh-huh. I guess you were there right on the front line when hardcore morphed mm-hmm. perhaps from that first mm-hmm. wave mm-hmm. of like the Murphy's Law, the Agnostic Front. Yes. And then I guess a lot of those bands came from perhaps broken backgrounds, uh-huh. perhaps a lot more of a criminal element or at least uh-huh. a kind of drug, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sketchy. Uh-huh. Um, but then I guess the next wave, which you guys led off with you for today and bands yeah. like this, it was more about education and the message. And yeah. Would that be safe to say? Yeah, I think so. Evolution? I think really um, I would credit Ray Capo with that sort of the, stylistically and also um, philosophically taking like New York scene, which was, you know, had all the, the bones were there but it was really kind of in a limbo state when I first started going to shows because, you know, those initial Gnostic Front, those initial blast of bands, it was a very small group of people that were there for those shows, and I was too young, I didn't make it. So when I got in there, that wave was dying, and those bands were looking for a new, a new audience, so they were going, like, towards metal things. You know, the biggest bands would be, like, Corrosion of Conformity or, like, DRI, like, mm-hmm. crossing over, gaining metal fans. And, uh... Ray Capo from Youth Today. <coughs> With Youth Today, um, when I first heard that single, I was like, oh my God, this sounds like the hardcore that I wanted to be there for. This sounds like Minor Threat. sounds like, well, not Minor Threat. They more sound like SSD or, or uh, you know, that, that kind of a negative approach. Yeah. Um, but the, the message of it, while I totally related to Murphy's Law message, you know, for the most part, like it's about fun. Yeah. And Agnostic Front's obviously a victim and pain record is like I fully back, you know, philosophically and like, you know, it's definitely like in written in my heart. Um, but Youth Today really just drove it home with such a, a succinct, you know, style and um, that it really just and also combined with his uh, charisma and ability to organize and to get people from the New York scene like Rabies or you know, Vinny, uh, Roger and, and those guys to kind of work with them to, to build a scene, you know, where there'd be like bands would play, you know, where there'd be a community and that community, uh, like any sort of scene, like once there's like a sort of, um, enough people kind of doing the same thing from different angles, they get like healthily competitive with each other. You Strength go in numbers. Yeah. You go see one band, you know, next one week and kind of don't rate them too high. And then you see him again, like, you know, like a month or so later, and they got some new song that's kind of got a badass mosh part. Because they've been taking note of what the other guys are doing. And yeah, because they're like, to up their game. exactly. So I hear that mosh part and they're like, damn, I got to do something like to kind of get up to that stage because, you know, I'm out there feeling it. You know what I mean? And, and hardcore, you know, I think it must still be true. Like, it's, it's so... Um, you feel it. it. You're risking, you're throwing, you know, the, the ultimate expression is, is the dive into the void of stage dive, you know, but you're counting on people to catch you with, with the very real possibility that they won't 
It's a leap of faith, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a leap and you feel it. And if you're in the pit, you know, I can remember being in the pit for Agnostic Front and being like, holy shit, like I might die here. I need to figure out how to get out of this storm of bodies. Big, older, yeah. early dudes as well, right? Yeah, in just, many cases. you know, I was a skinny kid, you yeah. know what I mean? But, um, you know, you're in a, you know, if you've ever been knocked over in a, in a, um, I took a hit to the face last night taking photos. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, that's a, a badge of honor. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's a part you're of the, it. you're in it. Yeah. It's like the tangent. Trenches. You know what I mean? It's like real physical thing. So you feel that in your body and you like take a hit for something <clears throat> for someone's mosh part where you're like, it's a battle cry or whatever. It's like, it's a, it's a, the kind of thing that makes people run into battle, you know, as insane as that is. And so that, cross-pollination with all these different people where they didn't have enough time or you know they all had everyone had you know maybe 10 records in common but there was a depending on like some people's first record was suicidal tendencies some people's first record was uh you know crass some people's first record was amoebic some people's first record was minor threat some people's first record was corrosion and conformity or they got into it through metallica or you know some some other kind of pathway and so all these different mixtures um, bouncing off of each other really made this scene really amazing. But anyway, that's a very long-winded answer. I would say... There are no short answers in podcast, Walter. It's uh, all good. Okay. We can so, just wax. So I would say, you know, I, getting back to the, I think what the original point was, yeah, I would mm -hmm. credit Ray with that change of color with, with the scene. And it was, uh, and Ray B's and, you know, you know, a lot of these kind of like, uh, you know, it, Roger was definitely involved in that, but like creating matinees because AF were out playing around the country. So like New York became the local scene and that was like, you know, for people that know about it, it's, it was pretty amazing. It's such a surreal concept now because they're just not done, are they? These kind of afternoon shows. Uh, it's so great if they still were. And I it was a, such a cool location too because, uh, I mean, CBGB's, I knew what CBGB's was before I knew what, hardcore was you know so you know and the first time i tried to go to cbgb's i was just too scared to walk in because i just thought like i'm gonna get killed or stabbed or whatever you know whatever movie i had seen yeah what how did the parents feel about a venue like that was that was it very much on their radar as this den of iniquity or i think for me my mom wasn't worried about it you know she was pretty like as long as i got home at not such a late hour and that's a beauty of a matinee yeah you right the matinee, yeah, yeah. you're there all day and you get home by, you know, nine o'clock or something like that. I mean, you know, there would be people that would be out all night and getting fucked up and doing that. Stuff. But I, you know, I was pretty, I had school. I was keeping it, keeping it. Uh, Were you ever okay. a, an, an unruly child? Did you ever get into the alcohol or the drugs in any way? Or, or was it more that you'd see those older kids and what those substances did to them that put you off doing it? There was probably a few times where I realized I was hanging out with the wrong kids. Right. You know, it's like these kids are down to do stuff that I know is just not going to a good place. And I should slide away from this group of people. At a young age, you realize that. Yeah. But I mean, I, it, I didn't feel like, although there was like a zealotry to like when it became straight edge because it was connected to the band I was in and the, the direction that I felt this music scene should go in. And was that with you for today? So with you today. Yeah. And. And also just inspired the by them, you know, yeah. like we all became straight edge. Like I wanted to be straight edge because Minor Threat was my favorite band, but then Youth Today created a way that we could be straight edge and B 
be a part of this thing that was happening like right then and there. So that was very appealing. And then, um, you know, did veganism come at the same time or a little bit later? No, vegetarian, vegetarianism came a little bit later. Um, (laughs) and by like a little bit, you know, might've been six months or, you know, it's all happening pretty quickly, but you know, Ray added straight edge to the, I mean, added vegetarianism to straight edge. And then you had to be, you couldn't just be straight edge. You had to be vegetarian too, to really be legit. And, um, what, and what happens if you weren't? Were you almost like discluded? It's just like, no, that's cool, dude. Kill the animals. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, you're straight edge. I guess that's all right. You know, but um, I'm not pissed off. I'm just disappointed. Like, yeah, it's yeah, sort of like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it'd be like, all right, I guess killing animals is cool for you. I just kind of am a little bit of a better person than that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was kind of the attitude of it. And um, yeah, there was a zealotry to it, but I think it was in a positive direction. You know what I mean? And uh, those lessons, although, you know, in my relationship to like alcohol or whatever, I wouldn't say that I was like, you know, really getting into any trouble or anything like that. I wasn't like, so for me to stop drinking wasn't like a huge thing. Vegetarianism yeah. was, was a bit harder, you know, cause I just didn't, I was young. I didn't even know like, like eating vegetables was just like not my favorite thing. And, you know, back then it wasn't a thing, was it? Obviously people were doing it, but it wasn't known of or accepted or you know now there's so much education and accessibility and availability and it's very easy i think now to live that lifestyle uh yeah i think it i think it's definitely become more uh mainstreamed i mean it's it's incredible to see i mean we were like when we got into it it was like hippies like leftover hippies like granola gorp kind of you know wearing shoes yeah yeah, shit like that yeah, yeah And I worked, we all worked at health food stores in, uh, in Manhattan, like me, Siv, um, at multiple. So we would all, you know. Were they like gathering places for creatives and musicians and artists In hardcore, very much. Like all the health food stores were filled with hardcore people. And at that time they were all independently owned health food stores owned generally by either, like the one that I worked out most was, um, owned by, uh, Swami Sachidananda, um, who was like a, you know, a guru and, um, down to earth was like owned by like an old, you know, hippie. And a lot of them were owned by hippies or by, um, gurus or both. And, um, and it wasn't capitalism. Which goes hand in hand with punk DIY. Yeah. It was a nice fit. and ideologies, doesn't it? Yeah, it's oh, like, no, sure. we don't want to do what everybody else do. We don't want to go and eat McDonald's and no so it buy would, into that yes i mean we there was lots of it's like when you're at an age like when you're a teenager and you're going or you're going into your early 20s it's a really cool place because in some ways people will say you don't know anything you don't you haven't lived you don't understand like the complicated complexities of like what you're even beat by life you know that there's like the answers aren't simple but um you're also really smart in a way because you you have you can look at a problem you can look at a thing and say here's what i think is right and i can go towards that in a more clear way whereas as you get older you know you see so much more nuance and i think a lot of people lose sight of those initial it gets convoluted doesn't it in your head it can because you know there's things are not all black and white you know what i mean but that compass uh it's a good thing to have that set early and i feel like um you know, vegetarianism was a great one. 
uh, and also straight edge was a great one to 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 recognize or to to, to contemplate the fact that okay on the one side drinking is fun you know makes people act silly um you know it, it's fun it's great some people is not like that at all it's destructive it's bad and people get get bad and dark and and yeah. dark and they 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 do things that they regret and um and so to understand the dangers of that and that um you know and know where that's coming from and a lot of people that were into strange i think probably came from homes where they were experiencing that you know like alcoholism in their household and uh you know troubles with that um <laughs> but having that experience especially at that time in my prime drinking years you know where i could have really got stupid yeah has is a, is a good kind of place i think for me in my in throughout my life a foundation yeah to just yeah. know to monitor like okay are you going too far with this you know what i mean are you is this are you in the spirit of fun here or is this dark you know uh and vegetarianism i feel like vegetarianism it just branches into so many different things and not just veganism but just consciousness about what's happening with our world and this is in the 80s you know what i mean like you talk about uh you know what it takes to like make all these hamburgers i mean it's just like you don't have to love cows to see what's happening to the forests and and the, and the use of resources and um how interconnected that is with um with so many ills and like you know war and famine and all this kind of crap greed greed you know yeah. and 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 you know having been exposed to that at that time when i was like i think of course, young and experienced, but also righteous because I had not done it. I hadn't, I hadn't like um, sold out in any way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I was made made aware of like, what is your the straight line that you're trying to like go for? And that was where the zealotry came from. And I felt like I believed in our cause 100. percent Like I wanted to convert everybody to straight edge vegetarianism, and hardcore music played in the spirit of uh the kind of initial 81 to 83 kind of vibe <laughs> like and with mosh parts how successful was that quest with the the work that you did both mm -hmm. on record and in the live environment with you through today and then gorilla biscuits massively yeah like yeah. you firsthand saw the wave of every change night. and every night we play amazing just a youth today i mean gb was not that like that youth today was I mean, basically, we were trying to convert everybody to Ray's thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Ray was the leader for sure. And you played bass. In I that played band, bass, right? yeah. 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 Uh, so were you always like multi instrumentalist, or was it just kind of like it's punk rock? Do it yourself, pick it up. I think I got it. Out. I think I got it. Yeah, I mean, bass. It's to me like some people can't play bass and guitar, but I can play bass. I'm, I love playing bass. It's cool. It's like less strings, and it's about what you don't do. But in hardcore and in youth today, it just means you can go off more because it's not as difficult. Yeah. So I, I love playing bass. Um. But anyway, yeah. Uh, youth today, definitely. You know, to me, when I say massively, I think of like look at. I'm not saying youth today is responsible for this, but you look at the value of um the people that were into youth of today and where they are now, these are people in positions of power in media companies and um, all kinds of environmental organizations and uh, in, you know, um, probably chefs that have been pioneers chefs, of certain cuisines absolutely. down the vegetarian line. And 
so many and 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 in so many progressive and cool parts of society from like you know top down you know there's like billionaires that are that are into this stuff and it's um, a beautiful thing isn't it it's amazing so I, I i would say not like youth today made all this happen no but um we represented for those values and those ideas in a really um clear succinct and you know put ourselves out there for abuse yeah uh kind of way and um and and you know when we were playing every night, I, especially in Europe, it was it was like, but even around even around the United States, you know, we were going around these the punk scenes in around the the country and and uh, here and in Europe, I mean here in the United States, and you could see the kind of leftover the remnants of the scene that had you know brought Black Flag and you know all those bands that first wave of bands like it was just like. There was nothing to fill the vacuum, and you yeah. today would come in and be like, "Holy shit, thank you! Someone is telling us where to go," you know. And that was a really nice thing about it, you know. Whatever, I'm just talking up you today, but that's how it affected me. Yeah. So it's like I wasn't, I didn't form the band. I was asked to join it, and um, you know, at that time it was like, "Holy cow! You like I've just been asked to join," you know, freaking Radiohead. Yeah, you that's know. what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a bad comparison, but you know what I mean? But An like, iconic band. An iconic band that I life. thought was badass, and I was into not just for the music, but for the mission. Did you never want to step up to the plate with Gorilla Biscuits and be the voice piece? Or were you happier just kind of experimenting with songwriting and developing more in yeah. that way for that time? I think when I started the band, it was... Um, I was playing guitar and singing and it just was obvious to me after a while, like you need to have a front man for a hardcore band. You got to hold cool. Yeah. You need the guy to up there with the microphone. So my options were, I'm going to find someone else to play guitar, in which case I would have to give up that kind of whatever direction I have to find. I then have to find a guitar player that was really cool and inspired me. Yeah. Um, or Siv is awesome. And has what was the, he doing at that time? Siv was uh he, he worked like at, he scene. worked he worked at the laundromat, and <laughs> and uh, you know he was into hardcore yeah too. yeah um and he's just cool he's just like he reminds me <laughs> what well, I would say that Matt from the Bronx has clearly been inspired mm-hmm. by him. There's a very similar yeah. stagecraft and the way he interacts with the audience, kind of funny, cheeky, yes, bravado but likable. Exactly. I can definitely see that influence that's, that's fed down to him. Yeah, I guess I, I, just I would, they're both skinheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I would I um I see that. Actually, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but it's true. They have a similar charm. Yeah. And they're just cool guys. Mm-hmm. And they're cool guys like that, tough dudes, but they're cuddly and yeah, personable. Exactly. Like they both have that similar gift. So Siv's just cool. And even when he had hair and at that age. And um he uh so he was the guy and he you know, he was just like pretty like let's make this band. You want to sing? Okay. And then we just went from there and we didn't, you know. Um, Is that the band that got you out in New York touring further afar? Eventually. I mean, we started off like very low on the totem pole. Like we, we didn't like, we had a pretty weird, like Real Whiskers was a pretty weird name at the time. So I just, we probably were pretty out of it, to be honest. And it was only from just going to shows, you know, trying to persist to get on more shows 
And then finally, when we got a record, we got a chance to like show what we could do. And, and the records were what did it. It wasn't like a lot yeah. of bands would come out and then would just come out just crush the box, life. just like had the look, had the sound, had the crew, like a band like YDL, like I guess in some ways they're controversial now because of their, you know, skinhead kind of thing. And I just think they were kids. I don't think they really understood what the hell they were talking about, yeah. you know? Um, but they came out strong, you know, like the look was right. It all made sense. Grilled Biscuits was way more like kind of all over the place. What is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it took us a while. I think it took our, till our recordings came out. And, you know, we adopted the straight edge thing, but um, that wasn't our primary focus. Was that more about having fun, that band? That yeah, time. it just was fun. Yeah, you know, yeah, I wanted yeah. it to be serious. I mean, last night was amazing. Oh, it was so much you. fun. Thank I mean, you. I've never seen a guy smile more than you were smiling. Oh last man, night. I, this is just. This <laughs> is, does it feel almost like a holiday playing in that band? Of this course, stage? it does. It's yeah. magic. I'm with my best friends from like high school. Yeah, like traveling in a in a bus and like playing this, these songs that still are so meaningful to to us and to everybody, and, and in the room. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like we're the best band or anything, but it's like these songs resonate. It's a fact, you know, and, and that it makes people happy and it brings people together. And as you say, all these years on as well. Yeah. And it's not Amazing. just, and it's, it's like people my age and their children mm-hmm. and, you know, people that got it. Like we're one of the kind of last guys intact from our world, you know, and, um, and we still got jumps, you know? So, I think it's a, it's a cool thing to see younger people pick it up too. Like younger people makes me sound like a grandpa, but you know, people in their well, 20s. It moves, it moves so quickly now, doesn't it? The pace of life. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it, I guess it always did because what was happening in New York, it means it seemed like every six months there was like a new scene. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And this uh, is pre-internet and before that speed of technology and information, yeah. but it was just, there was so much, I guess, creativity happening. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was just a good, I mean, I think a lot of it so quickly in some cases, didn't it? I think a lot of the, you know, the, the, the structure of a scene <clears throat> kind of works the same all around. It's like somebody has a vision and, uh, you know, puts it out there, connects to like two or three other people. Then you have like a group and then a fourth one. And then the idea of the group of, of the identity of that scene starts to crystallize and then once it finally crystallized and it's at this thing and people know what that is then soon after that people start getting away from it because they don't want to be in that and it just has to re- redo itself mm-hmm. it's like a yeah, wave yeah. coming in and, and going back out and it was cool to see with that new york scene but it it was sort of like you know scattered around and then over the course of a year or something it really crystallized super hard regular shows all the time and um were there many people from the business side facilitating and directing whether um, it's managers or agents or do you know what i mean because sometimes you have these like svengali type figures that are noticing no patterns and yeah they but it was so low rent because there's no money in it you know what i mean so so they weren't looking at it and going ka-ching 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 some people maybe were a bit you know like they saw the potential in agnostic front you know like crossing over to metal scene but even then like it wasn't I guess maybe they were thinking along Metallica lines, but Metallica weren't Metallica then. Metallica yeah, yeah, yeah. were like, you know, uh, a, a band that could play to like, you know, 1,500 people or something like ravenous fans, but they weren't competing with, you know, 
Bon Jovi or like Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. Or, yeah, well, yeah. you know, I, around that time, there's a lot of hair metal and Metallica kind of cut through that mm. um, eventually. But Were uh, you into that stuff growing up, like rock and roll? And I liked ACDC. I liked that kind of like classic. Right yeah, I love them. <laughs> I mean, that was that's that's my main influence would be Angus Young on guitar. And, um, you know, so like hard rock stuff like that, you know, I'd be into like Judas Priest because that's what kids were into. Yeah. You know, uh, but I never would say that that genre was my, was my thing. I just was kind of like, uh, you know, I would like Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, the kind of like basics, the doors. Yeah. Um, just great songwriting, isn't it? But yeah. What yeah. you're saying is you didn't go to one of those shows and feel like, ah, this is home. No, not so much. I'm, I'm kind of like, around, uh, you know, I'm a little bit all over the place. But one thing that I did get into was uh, that was really, um, it got such a great education point. There was a radio station in, uh, in Long Island called uh, LIR, and they would play all imports from the UK. Right. So, so the UK music was affecting you. Oh, man. Even when, all, on, was like, when like Blumage was coming out or like Hazy Fantasy, the Smiths, I heard the first Smith single. When it when it played, um, is that a lot of the stuff which later on would you say perhaps influenced the rival schools stuff? I mean, it's definitely a, cooked into it. Yeah, yeah, but also in GB, like you know, there's definitely like things that if I went through it, I could say, yeah, that's ripped from. from I mean, we covered the Buzzcocks, for example. Yeah, um, you know, all that at that time, like all this incredible music was coming out. I heard U two on LIR too, and that was just like. I mean, U2 now is like this massive, unbelievable thing, but there was a time when they were just like a band in the pack, you know? Like R.E.M. as well. Yeah, R.E.M. I love them. Alternative, underground, progressive, really interesting. They were incredible. And it's hard to like remember that past the hugeness of them. But at one time they were just like amazing. I mean, I saw them, I think when Nirvana hit, I felt like R.E.M. was really manifested in a a major way Um, or like, you know, the replacements Love them. also yeah, yeah. manifest, you know, uh, is taking REM. Well, those bands were almost, there was like obviously the Black Flag kind of era. And then mm-hmm. you obviously had Husker D replacements. Yeah. I guess they were like the stepping stone, the middle gap, weren't they, between Black Flag yeah. and Nirvana? Yeah, they had a pop sense. People were like, Nirvana came from out of nowhere. And it's like, well, no, if you trace it back, it was kind of from hardcore and punk and then that kind of yeah. alt. So you follow those. Country-infused indie rock in some places. And like, the kind of un- unintelligible lyrics vocals and Mm -hmm. um you know some of the cadences that kind of like you know these kind of like like uh michael stipe has this real kind of sad sense of melody yeah that i think kurt cobain had as well absolutely um and uh you know and also has ties to marcy although i I don't know that kurt cobain would have been a a smiths fan but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he was is new york still home New York's still home. I live in in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Was it has it always been the base? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up there, and and uh, I've lived uh, I lived in Berlin for a while. I lived uh, in Ohio for a little while when uh, home of Devo. How was that? Oh, it was cool. I went yeah. there in high school. My dad lived there, so I, I went and spent a year in Ohio. This is actually before I got into hardcore, or before I got you know kind of going to shows and. Um, yeah, it was cool. Like Necros were the local band. And, um, but it was more like just like American, you know, like when you watch movies from the 80s, like Breakfast Club or whatever, yeah, course, like yeah. that idea of American high school. 
like that's what Ohio was like. So it was really fun because New York high school is not like that at all. It's more was like, it a lot more tough and gray? It's more like orange is the new black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like my junior high was like, I could get through. Back against the wall. I th- feel like I could get through f- a female like security, like not maximum security, but like whatever level security that prison is on. <laughs> you could navigate those I feel seas. like I could get through it for a while. Because <laughs> you've got the training in there. Yeah, there's something <laughs> in there that I, I could survive it. Um, Love it. But so going to Ohio was really awesome and I made great friends and I had a great time. Uh, but yeah, primarily, primarily New York. And hip hop, obviously, I think, because I've been watching, I've always been fascinated by hip hop, but uh-huh. I've been watching recently the great show on Netflix called Hip Hop Evolution. Uh-huh. And it traces it from literally the ground zero, DJ Herc's first yeah. block party, all the way through all the stages. Yeah. And there seemed to be a similar sort of thing happening in that these kids who had no hope were organizing in the yeah. same way that perhaps the hardcore scene oh, was. And they were like, the rather time. than this inter gang bullshit, like, let's get together. Because that the government's not looking out for us, mm. so let's look out for each other and try and build mm. something that's positive. And then obviously yeah. that fed into graffiti and breakdancing, sure. turntablism. And were you aware of that as a kid? And were you taking those trips to to that side of town and being exposed to that on the live side? Or I mean, initially I didn't see. It was just like what was happening in junior high. You know, like people would just like rap and like there'd be all the kids like you know double dutching and. Mm-hmm chant and that was what was popular coming up and the the early hip-hop in new york was all in new york on independent record labels from new york so that was the sound of just life you know yeah and as it progressed and you know started to i got into hardcore and you know independent records started to become more familiar with that then you start to see like how hip-hop was also following that although on a bigger scale because it was way more popular yeah, then, it kind of hit pretty fast, didn't it? After Sugar Hill Gang, it was almost like raps everywhere, Rod, <laughs> rapping Rodney, and it's like in pop culture. And it was in pop culture, but it was a faddish thing. Yeah, it was, right, it yeah. wasn't like real hip hop. I'm thinking more. But of then like, Run DMC comes out, right? And it's yeah, I'm thinking more like you know Eric B, Rakim, or mm-hmm. like or like independent record labels like um, uh, well, I guess Def Jam was at one point, or um, was it Fourth and Broadway, um, First Priority who put out um, like Audio 2 and MC Light. Um, This homemade quality that you knew all these labels were just like selling 20,000 records maybe if they were successful. And you just knew it was like two or three dudes putting it together. And selling them like Selling them, yeah, where they could, getting them distributed, like going, it's, you know, just like hardcore. You know what I mean? Yeah, they'd have the markets, wouldn't they? Yeah like the cassette markets where you could just go and pick up all the latest mixtapes. And- they didn't have uh, national radio support until, you know, even when Run DMC hit, it wasn't like the floodgates exactly had to open. You know what I mean? You could get in like sort of not massively catchy Ice Ice Baby kind of singles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took a while before like radio formats really just switched over to it and that just changed it completely. But at that time, it was just the music that we... That was around us always. And, you know, that was what was playing in the clubs. And, you know, I'd go out as a teen. I wasn't even drinking, but going out to clubs, you know. And, yeah, dudes would be, like, Rakim would be at the club. Uh, Chuck D would be at the club. You'd see these people out. Big Daddy Kane just, like, hanging out. And that was, like, you know. Normal. And a white geek, just like me, like, hanging out. What about the filmmakers at that time, like the kind of Jim Jarmusch and... 
Jim Jarmusch would have been Spike Jones. Were all those guys just sort of knocking around as well? Uh, they would have been a little bit out of my, off my radar. Like they're the kind of like a older generation kind right. of group of people. Um, of course I knew the films. Um, but uh, it wasn't what I was painted. I wasn't like into film as much at that time. You know, uh, was, yeah, I've, was I've, skateboarding the other huge thing. Skateboarding well, is another big thing. Yeah. You know, so skateboarding was, um, you know, in street skating, when, when I started skateboarding, it was about ramp skating and, uh, you know, bowls and stuff like that. You know, looking at Thrasher Magazine, it'd always be like someone, you know, doing some sort of, you know, air out of a bowl or something. Like yeah. That. And New York City was not, you know, street skating was not recognized, really. But you'd go to like... Um, because I guess there was no money in sponsorship in it, right? In the same way that there was with these big competitions. Not at that time, that. no. Yeah. And so, uh, but they they were inventing street skating. You mm -hmm. know, you'd go to Washington Square Park and they'd be like jumping garbage cans, you know, ollieing garbage cans and, uh, you know, rail sliding off of like all this kind of stuff. And there was the Brooklyn Banks, which was just like under the Brooklyn Bridge, this just like slope. And you just like skate up it and skate down, you know, do whatever, you know, doing slides on it and you know, the kickflip getting invented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Which I can is remember now when, you just take for granted all these things. I can but. remember when the kickflip got invented and it was just like, I'm out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the shape of, of boards that? like changed and um, yeah, skateboard, street skating at least. I mean, the, the, the kind of ramp skating and all, you know, that was a thing and that's why if you look back at Thrasher, I think that was probably maybe what was more stressed and New York was not the mecca for, for skateboarding, although it was developing the style, and uh, which is ultimately what people care about, I think, right now. You know, It's mad, just perfect time for alternative culture across the board, I think. And I feel Hip -hop, connected to all punk that. punk rock, skateboarding, yeah. it was all one and the same, wasn't it? And, and you look at the, the people that were doing that kind of stuff at that time, like I'm still in music, and I'm you know lucky to be doing it. And did you always know it was going to be... The career once things started. No, not no? at all. No, I mean, what what kind of psychopath would start <laughs> their career in like the worst sounding kind of music ever? <laughs> yeah, I was doing it so I could play CBGBs. I was doing it so that I could like affect other people the way that I was being affected. You know what I mean? I wanted to make people mosh like they were making me mosh. You know, I wanted to create an atmosphere where people would stage dive and freak out. You know, that's what I wanted to do, and I didn't see any potential really beyond like you know filling cbgb's selling out cbgb's would be like okay i've made it that's our we did it when was the turning point then with quicksand uh yeah i guess maybe that. towards the late 80s you know just like i guess i was describing how the scenes just kind of hit a, it sort of got very popular with kids coming from the suburbs so you know so kind of hand in hand with gentrification too of the of the lower east side so kids finally you know i told you when i first went to see i was scared out. of going in just the neighborhood was scary at that time and now it just kind of got out that no you can survive it can be done and so it got really um yeah a lot of kids from the suburbs is that a good and a bad thing uh i thought it was really cool because yeah. i mean from the music standpoint there's just more people there so from my point of view it's great you know like the scene's getting more popular and then by and as a result, we could go out and play in Connecticut. We could go play in deep in New Jersey. We could go to like more further afield because it was being accepted in the in the suburbs. And um, 
So it just made it bigger. I mean, it was big in California too. Um, so I thought it was cool. I think at a certain point as the bands just kind of either went on tour, like I remember going on, started going on tour. So then we weren't around anymore. So the bands that were coming up, there was a lot of good bands coming up, but the scene just kind of lost its wind. The wind just went out of it. And so even though these bands were great, there wasn't enough there anymore to like get a, th- a third wave out of it. And, and hold it all together. And hold it, yeah. yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of people found out about it that weren't good. And a lot of violence came into the scene. Again. Again, yeah. yeah, I think more so. Like it came back in like, oh, there's a cool thing going on with a bunch of nerds from the suburbs. I can go there and steal their girlfriends, feast, steal feast their wallets. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what happened. So it didn't, like I remember the last Gorilla Biscuit show we played, like a guy got stabbed like within an, an inch of his life. I was like, no, this is not that fun for me. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of splintered out and there was a movement at ABC No Rio, which was a little art space on Rivington Street where it was like kind of all the nerds went. And I felt more related to that crew than at what was happening at CB's. And so uh, I started a band called, it started as Moondog where I was, I was the singer. Finally, like I'm going to do this thing where I'm singing. And guitar as well. I wasn't playing yeah, guitar. Just no, I was the lead right. singer. And then that morphed quickly into Quicksand. Uh, you know, we got uh, Alan Cage, who's the drummer, and um, and when he joined the band, it sort of seemed like we had, we just kind of dropped all the Moondog songs and started to write fresh songs. And I think we just benefited from the combination of all that great power from the CV scene, from this awesome experience, combined with a desire to do something out of the bounds of, of what that formula was. Yeah. And so we had all the goodness of it, we brought all the good qualities, but also we're, you know, I think hardcore also has a very conservative streak. Yeah. Like and you're restrained, you're it, aren't you? There's only so much you can do musically before it's like, that ain't this anymore. We hate you now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't like, you're not allowed to progress too much. And so feeling boxed in, you know, that was a band where I just felt like we can do something that, um, we can just write off having to stick to that formula and just do something new, but we're pretty, we're informed from our history and of, of our experiences in, in this really cool scene, cool music scene, like hardcore, whatever. It was just like a bunch of creative people. I mean, I listened to songs, you know, like Outburst recently, like Outburst were kind of on the later side for me. And I actually played in Outburst for a little bit. And I always thought they were cool. I never thought that they like really, I don't know if they were ever a headlining band at CB's. They might've been, but they're awesome. Like they've written so many, so many really great songs, like just whatever, objectively, like if I'm teaching a college class on, or, you know, checking boxes on like what a good song is. Like they've written great ones. There's a lot of geniuses. And, um, so, you know, kind of took, that energy and just but went went like let's try something totally different like 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 let's let go of the guitar or let's um were you drawing from any specific areas of influence or were you more just inspired by each other and it, it, initially no initially i was in definitely we were definitely knocked out by jane's addiction i mean they would have been the, the band they would have been the one that was like here's a band that's rocking mm-hmm. it's doing something like the doors or something and Zeppelin in places. And Zeppelin, yeah. And also like the Cure and Joy Division. Exactly. And, yeah. So they were checking off these like so many cool 
from angles that we just like it was like that's the coolest band. Yeah. So, and also Fugazi were massively they were just starting um, at that time, but Fugazi were also just like you know again leading the way. Like Ian Mackay. Yeah, I guess he showed that, you you could do this one great era defining thing. Yeah. But then you could also go on to do another. Yeah. Totally free, totally yeah. different. So we had really brilliant thing. We had a we had a sort of a, of a blueprint. You know, in that or that that it had been in Jane's addiction, they were sort of like they're in California, they're kind of like magic. We had no idea how the hell they figured that out. But on the Fugazi side, you know, they're taking bringing dancingness, dancingness into it, and this kind of open guitar feeling where it could be sort of sloppier or was well, like jazz feel in there in that yeah, kind of- atonal in some ways, and um, and I guess you know. Ape made our own like kind of we weren't lifting them exactly but you know because you just we couldn't do that but we we uh were, were kind of between and also i loved slayer at that time too you did yeah i thought they were really cool so kind of i would say those three things so there's like an element of of uh you know i think seasons in the abyss had come out at that time so slayer is where that sort of heavy angle comes yeah. in from yeah, experimentation, Fugazi and Jane's, and yeah, which is a really weird combination. But well. I, I think if you hear it, if you listen to it with that, maybe you might be able to take, yeah. take some that's of those pieces. Stones. Yeah, so that's kind of where the 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 thing was coming out. But also that might have been our idea. But like, what came, comes out in the end is is just like what it is. You know, how was the you know the moment when you all got back together? Was it something like twenty one, twenty two years? Uh, say again? Quicksand, after you'd been oh, gone however yeah. long. Was it 21, 22? Shit, man. I hate to think about it. Um, <laughs> Are you we, all good? Can we just stop? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. You need to reply, yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So yeah, after over two decades, huh. you reform and or were you or were you not separated? Was it just it was kind of oh no we had hiatus and or no, was it, it was done. no we had done. broken up. It was like you know a highly principled decision and, and uh, you know we had just been touring so much and 
you know, in this major label kind of grind. And um, did it take some of the joy out of it? Yeah, and I didn't. I found it hard to like really recognize the success of what we were doing. And um, and it just kind of got more boxed in, and we just could. We had a hard time like agreeing on anything. And is that because you're all big personalities as well? We're all big personalities, and so everyone's genius and has a strong idea of what should be being done. And- yeah, and also like um, where you don't, if by giving in on this thing that you feel like you've lost somehow, and you're just not, you're not relating to people as as you're you're making. You know, we were just on the road too much, around each other, like stealing with um, you know, which of course was fun and cool. But um, at a certain point, we were just like, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't need the grief anymore. Like, and it would have been wise to have said, okay, dude, I get that. Why don't we take off six months or, uh, and then in six months, if we feel like we need to make this dramatic statement, then we'll do that. But for us just being young and being like, you know, passionate, passionate, it's like, no, the story is, you know we broke up on tour, you know, and, um, we can't, it's just unprincipled. We're not committed for like, is he a hundred percent or zero? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that that's bad and that shouldn't be an ideal for people. You know, I think that's fine and cool, you know, but I just, in retrospect, I feel like we could have, uh, you know, it, we, we didn't do ourselves any favors in like not giving it a, a bit of space it was understandable we had played like 300 dates or something in a year it's the age-old story isn't it because nobody from a managerial side is going to tell you guys to do that because they want to keep the money being made yeah so they're just like we're putting you out on another tour get in the studio make another record repeat and it's the age-old story with so many bands that you wish you could have just gone maybe we should have just had a pause there for a while and yeah, and you're and you're constantly, especially at that time, you're looking at like sound scan numbers, and if like you're not touring, your sound scan goes down, and the record label's not happy. These people that used to love you now are like disappointed in you, or something like that, and all this kind of shit. And it's like I don't need this garbage. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm not getting paid enough to deal with this grief. And um, meanwhile, we were successful, you know, as, as successful as as I'd, I'd ever been, and um, which was cool to go out on a high point in that regard. So I I don't. Think that that's bad and artistically as well. Yeah, we had done yeah. great shit. It's all yeah. it kind of crystallized. I had a good. I mean, I didn't know, but I had a good sense that this would be safe and this would like travel well and you know um, and stand the test of time. And stand, I thought it would, and it has. And it yeah, I'm I'm happy about that. And so you know, at a certain point in time, we got involved in uh, the revelation. Um, did like an anniversary, anniversary show, yeah. and yeah. so um my friend who's friends with all of us you know made the the moves to like get us all to play together for this one thing was gorilla biscuits on that label as well was that kind of like the gorilla label? was on revelation yeah yeah that was the that was the main label that was like the roadrunner records of this world yes was it? yeah for yeah. sure um and, the, and it had a run of at least like 20 plus records that were all solid like amazing um so yeah, we played the anniversary and it was just like stunning, you know, like the response. No blood at all, just. Nah, you know, I mean, we were just, had had grown, you know, we didn't know as much about each other's like, I mean, I was probably mostly tight with Sergio, the bass player, so I was kind of more up to date with him. But, you know, Tom I hadn't seen or Alan I hadn't seen, 
And um, so, you know, it was cool to reconnect with like not with some distance to not be like um, pissed off about some whatever insignificant thing about whenever. I guess enough time goes under the bridge and you forget what you fell out about in the first place. Yeah, right? usually it's, it's yeah, it's, it's often like that. So, you know, that and then then we thought, oh, shit, that was amazing. So, yeah, you know maybe we started we did a tour like maybe a year later or something like that and that went amazing too so it's just basically like people really dig what we're doing they love it they feel like such connection to this music and then after we had done that we thought well how much can we just keep playing these songs how interesting is that going to be and when does it start to diminish you know and uh so you know should we try to record a record it's probably you know it's how is it going to be good? Like, we don't know. But what we did is, um, you know, kind of took the experience from the shows that we played and just took a risk. You know, I mean, if it was really bad, I think we probably would have put it out anyway <laughs> because we paid for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, did you use the money that you made from the shows, yeah, essentially? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, straight back in. Yeah, so, um, so with knowing that, we really tried hard to make it good. I guess that's good, right? There's pressure on you. It's but like, it was well, we our pressure out of our own pocket, and we're free to do what we want. But it should probably be good. We should probably yeah. make it good. Yeah. And like, how do you make it good? <laughs> I, you know, like we have no idea what our place in all this stuff is, and like what, you know, I'm not the same person as I was, and I've done so many things since that time. So how do I be who I am now and also connect to what it was at that time in some way that makes sense? And um you know, I think we just went for like, try our best. If we dig it, that's our best shot. If we think it's as good as we can make it, if we think it's cool, if it's, if it's, if we're thinking it's cool, that's probably our best chance of other people thinking it's cool. And, um, you know, cause we don't have like a real formula. I guess we have a certain thing that we do, but it's not so easy to define. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not even really a specific sound, is it? It's it's just like somehow we get together, there's a combination of, of the elements the and, chemistry the, and the style, and the alchemy, yeah, it? that it, it kind of creates something. Like we're not like a hardcore band or a funk band or it's not like genre to like hit the same target. Um, I felt like we had a couple songs or a few songs that I felt like were closer to what we had done but from like a different angle, you know, from a more contemporary angle. But anyway, uh, so we kind of just sprung it and, um, yeah, the response was amazing and allowed us to go out and tour and to be contemporary because like I would, I mean, GB's kind of a separate thing. I feel like GB's like just like a celebration of the yeah. whole community. Yeah. I don't think it's about the band. I think it's about the whole. And last night was a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't feel like the pressure to like, interfere with that by throwing new music into it because you're not worried about it being a nostalgia act because kind of half of that is nostalgia in the sense that it's celebrating the scene as yeah. opposed to all the responsibilities on the shoulder of just that one band. on an artistic statement yeah you know and and i don't know so you probably wouldn't look at doing new gorilla biscuits not too much i mean i i think it's not high sometimes priorities. good to just know when to put the brush down yeah. you know yeah. um but with quicksand i felt it was for us anyway, and the way we are as people, like we weren't about to just like, okay, run it down, you know, playing, playing the, the old songs. You know what I mean? Like you can do, you can, you kind of have one or two bites at the apple with that. And then yeah. you have to, you have to at least 
from your own standpoint as an artist, uh, come up with something just to, to, to hold it up, to give you a reason to, to go. And, uh, yeah, we had, you know, it was challenging, but really fun actually. And so I think some of that, you know, I'm, I'm super proud of, of us, like taking that leap and going for it. And, uh, you know, and we're all such, you know, we have all become like really appreciate each other. You know, we're like good friends. And it's so there'll awesome. be more you think there'll be. Well, I don't want to hype it, you know, right. but what will I, be, will be. Yeah. What will be, I would, I mean, I would love to, so we'll, we'll, you know, don't be shocked or be shocked. <laughs> you know, dude, I could talk to you all day. I know uh, you've got some dinner plans, yeah. so I'm going to let you go imminently mm-hmm. before I do. Uh, we'll have to talk about rival schools and yeah. all the other stuff another time. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to kind of ask you the very broad question uh-huh. that might be difficult to answer, but I'm sure you'll have uh-huh. one. What's music in this life afforded you? What's it given you? What have you learned and taken from it? Um, I mean, initially with music, it was a, you know, it was like a, a friend, you know, a way to kind of get, you know, I mean, at first I remember like being into the Beatles or the Beach Boys or something. It's like learning about culture. It's about learning about the world out there that, you know, what are people doing out there? You know, as a kid, you you can't go out in the street. You can't go to the shows or whatever. Thing. So you're like learning about culture. And like, this, for me, it was the 60s because, you know, I was born in, in 1969. So like all the records that I was listening to in the 70s were primarily, you know, whatever, Crosby, Stills and Nash and stuff like that. But 60s that music yeah, and, and early 70s. So you know, you're kind it's of a gateway le- into the world. Yeah. You're learning about the world. You know what I mean? And, um, going through your parents' record collection, learning about, you know, your parents, what they're into and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually, you know, as I got to be, you know, a little bit older, like music became my, you know, like I think for a lot of people that get into, you know, becomes your friend, you know, I could just like, whatever was going on in my life, I could just listen to like, an REM record and it just sounds like so crazy and cool. And I'm like that, I feel intimate with that. And, um, or like I remember getting joy divisions record closer and not knowing whether it's like called closer or is the, is the band called joy division or is the band called not knowing which it was (laughs) and just hearing these crazy sound of this band that, and the, what it was and like how that connected to like the kind of sadness and darkness in me and like made me feel okay about it. And learning how to play guitar, when I learned how to play guitar, it was like wanting to play like Angus Young or learn how to play a Dead Kennedy song or something, you know, to, 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 to sort of feel, you know, what the feeling was of actually doing it. Um, and then the fact that, you know, I, in high school, like I didn't like my high school. I mean, I had friends there. It wasn't like awful experience but it was sort of like i just didn't fit in and so uh getting involved in like the scene at cbgb's and stuff like that brought me to a place with a lot of other people that were like banged up in one way or another and 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 so many beautiful people and like to escape and and to to feel a kinship there you know an alternative high school and and then you know that's as as i've been able to like you know, do it as a career. Uh, I really feel like, you know, in songwriting and it, it's really been enabled me to travel the world, which is always something I wanted to do to, you know, I have friends all over the world um, from music, right? From music. Yeah. yeah. And these are lifelong friends, you know, like really important people in my life. And, 
so such a wide range of experiences that you know it's not for everybody but to me like that's what i'm interested in and uh you know and and writing songs and and working with people in bands um i'm always learning about who i am you know like how do i treat people how do i work with people how do i cooperate how do i stand up for an idea or how do i navigate um you know whatever um, situation that I'm in uh, creatively. And then what am I writing about, you know, and what do I want to write about? How do I want to explore? And, you know, these are all kind of ways of, uh, you know, sometimes you're like really brave and take chances and sometimes you're like afraid and you're, you're afraid of that weirdness. And I can't help but want to go towards those things that I'm like afraid of you know, or feel they need to be explored, whether people are into it or not. Of course, I always would hope that they would be. But that is, I've been able to like low-key make that into a career. I guess that's the key, isn't it, with with your story, is there's been so many different projects. Yeah. And all of them, I think, are held in great reverence by music fans, mm-hmm. but there was never like that one band that eclipsed everything else because it was so massively gargantually mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. So it's never like that one thing trapped you. Do you know what I mean? You've I been mean, able I, to be free and... Yeah, I think it's kind of by design. You delve know, like, into whatever area you so desire. I mean, it's like, it depends for, for which band, you know what I mean? Like for Gorilla Biscuits, like I have friends that are friends that... Uh, <laughs> there's people that love grill biscuits and don't even know I'm in quicksand or people that love rival schools and have no idea I'm in gorilla biscuits, people that love quicksand and don't care about any of that stuff, never even heard of it. And then there's people that follow the, the, the plot through all of them. And I don't know that it's a really awesome career strategy because I think it's probably better to like kind of brand yourself in one thing and, and kind of keep knocking away at that. Probably. Would you be happy? Um, I just didn't think in those terms, you know, and when I set on my path and maybe because from hardcore, like hardcore bands to make one record generally, maybe, a t- maybe two, but generally an EP and a record and then you break up. And so that's, I thought that's how you do it <laughs> with all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it only, it was only after like, maybe after rival schools that I was like, oh, oh shit, it doesn't, not every single band that you do like that, you know, becomes successful and you got it it actually, maybe it kind of helps to like stay with one thing. Yeah, I love it. You know, um, but it was kind of too late. <laughs> too at that late point. then, yeah. You know, so I guess this is just the career that I've got and, and uh, but it's afforded me the, 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 the space to take chances, to be like, I can make a Rival Schools record and do things differently with different people than I did in Quicksand without having to like, worry about or, worry yeah. about the, re- the the quicksand record being like this is the shit quicksand record you know what i mean or something like that and so you know it's like i feel like maybe with some of these things that were cut short in the sense that I, I didn't have an idea for the next chapter so it was easier for me to like just start from scratch and that's cool i've been i've been lucky that i have been successful as as i've been at doing that but i, I would say like what i value out of it most is the 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 scope of it you know what i mean that that i've had the opportunity to try so many different things and i've I've played with so many cool people that have like believed in that idea or added to it or um 
uh, have been part of that story because these are all like really, you know, cool, you know, meaningful relationships and experiences, you know, and that's like without having to like delve into the bullshit of like real pop world, although I've taken steps into that, I've always been able to keep it real, you know, and so I feel like pretty, pretty happy and content with it, with that bit of it. And, you know, I'm still thinking about new shit to do. You know, I have, like, so many projects that I want to do, you know. And I think it's just, it probably won't end, you know, because you're always just with this. And I think people are probably doing this in their own way throughout their lives if they're asking questions about, you know, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, who am I now? What is that? How does that relate to where I'm going? And uh, I just have been kind of... uh doing that through music in a way you know and so, so sometimes i think i'm doing awesome shit and no one cares and sometimes i'm thinking I'm doing something that's all right and people think it's great sometimes i think i'm doing something awesome and everyone else thinks it's awesome and that's the best you know what i mean but it works in all different ways and um so that's kind of cool as my you know i wouldn't have expected it to be that way but i'm, I'm pretty grateful well, what I loved about last night at the end of the show is you jumped off the stage and took the time to shake pretty much every single person on the front row's hand. Yeah. And you were just beaming as much as they were. I could see you'd had the best night and yeah. what, what a blessed life to be able to do what you love oh my God. and still love it this many years in, right? And as you say, still be excited, still be coming up with new ideas, still chasing different experiences and, and new musical avenues. Yeah. And yeah. to have a nice home life and family and the best of both worlds right it's it's i feel very blessed and especially after a show like last night where it's like damn you know look at these you know we're all in the same gang here this is like grill biscuits without the audience is like not a thing it's like i mean i guess you could say that about any band but i think the, the participation and especially with a barricade like that it really is a is a pretty deep cut in our game because stage diving is our is our bread and butter mm -hmm. to, to be honest that chaos of that which is dangerous and i'm not saying that that's like all good but um for the people that came out and just like hung out and like we're up on that barrier and and doing that like that they're in the band as much as i'm in the band and it's just like awesome that we can come to, to england all these years later and have a show that's like everyone's feeling good everyone's feeling up and that's whoa yeah you'd have to it's humbling. I'm really pleased that we got the chance to speak, especially today mm -hmm. after this little run of shows as well. Yeah, always. Thank. It was a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time, mate. I right really on. appreciate it, and I really enjoyed it. Right on, Tim. Enjoy Mildred's. Hell yeah! Thanks. <laughs> up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.